0: Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. Welcome to the Warriors Rising. hey this is paul with warriors rising glad to have you on the team glad to have you in the fight we fortunately do have tiana with us today she was sorely missed last week so how are you doing tiana
1: good morning paul happy 15th of december 2023 i'm good thank you for holding down the fort while i went on vacation i'm not gonna lie i desperately needed it but i appreciate you
0: (laughs) happy to do it definitely missed you but i i enjoyed going through jonah last week I I love that book. I taught through it at my parents' church uh, quite a while ago, but there's just so many good nuggets in that book. Um, One of them being uh, obviously that Jonah died and him going down to the base of the mountains. I mean, just, it's very interesting to see his apathy. You know, it just, in a sense, Jonah's a major reflection of Israel, just even, you know running from the Lord the constant failures <laughs> and God still used him you know and mm-hmm. and there is, that is an encouragement that God can use us in spite of ourselves however it's it's pretty crazy to see the the concern that pagans non-believers have for Jonah's life yeah. and yet Jonah doesn't he doesn't want to save Nineveh he doesn't seem to care about those that are on the boat it's it's pretty amazing when you just study the contrasts of of those that are not God's people and those that are. Mm -hmm.
1: Which is interesting because as you and I were kind of putting our notes together for today's podcast, we were talking about the influencers in, in the world and we're going to cover some of the news stories you know the alex jones the tucker carlsons you know the elon musk the joe rogan's of the world and how we need to be praying for them and not be like jonah <laughs> uh you know and 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 concerned with their well-being because you know god's going to occur you know god's going to accomplish his purposes but how much more so would we celebrate if those if these people who god's using right now as bastions of light in in our society if their names are written in the lamb's book of life that would be so much greater than than just using them to you know expose the darkness that's happening all around us and speaking of darkness you know i was in lahaina where the the fires occurred in hawaii that was a very very interesting very interesting time so just to give some context to to help explain some of this we booked this trip with my grandmother way before the fires occurred and then after the fires things got shifted a little bit as far as location and whatnot was concerned but we still opted to go and so there's a a variety of ways that people think about hawaii and whether or not we should have been there so i just wanted to kind of cover this a little bit and give some context because it was a very interesting experience spending 10 days in lahaina so the first thing i'll say is my grandfather uh, his his dad remarried after his parents divorced and he his dad remarried a hawaiian lady and so i grew up with step aunts and uncles that were hawaiian so the hawaiian culture is something that i kind of grew up with as a as a part of my family upbringing and my now late aunt great aunt was the MC of the lahaina luau so i grew up with a tremendous amount of respect for the the hawaiian culture and in lahaina grew up going to lahaina to visit my family when i was a kid so I, I, my perspective is probably a little bit less mainlander and a little bit more Hawaiian in this because I grew up with that culture to kind of give the context of what what we're going to talk about. But you have to understand there's a lot of animosity with a lot of the natives and mainlanders. And part of that reason is, is because mainlanders have come in and basically taken over the Hawaiian islands and made it such that they cannot live in the prime real estate because they've driven the cost of living up so high that natives have to move out into less desirable parts of the island. And I was on Maui. Maui is where Lahaina is. And if you actually look at the the, the way that Maui is laid out, uh, Lahaina is off the beaten path. It takes a little while to get there. But the back, the back sides of the islands are really, really hard to get to. So Hana and kind of the other side of Lahaina, if you keep going around that, it's very hard to get to. They're single lane roads, single lane roads, and they really don't want mainlanders back there. They really kind of want to live their native life and be a little bit separated from it. So there's already a little bit of animosity there. And I can understand. Uh, I think all of us in, the, in in the states have seen you know situations where certain areas become gentrified and then the cost of living gets driven up yes. and that's what's happened to the to the nat- natives and then you know one of the comments that was made to us is they steal our land from us and they take the best land for themselves and leave us the useless land and if you know the demographics and the way that the geography is laid out in In like Maui, for example, there are some parts of the island because of where they are that are so lush and plentiful and full of, you know, life. And then there's the more desert start because it's an, it's a volcanic island. So it's a big, gigantic volcanic rock. So depending upon where the rain is and where things happen is where the, you know, how the land works out. And so they really do feel like, like mainlanders have stolen their land. So you've got to have that, you've got to have that little bit of perspective. So what was interesting is the first place we stayed, we stayed in two different places they sent out an email to us in advance and said, please don't talk to any of our employees about the fires unless they bring it up with you because it's been devastating to them. They all wanted to talk about it. And the first thing that, that, you know, they would talk to us about is the first place we stayed 41 of the employees had been displaced from their homes, from the fires. That's one hotel in Lahaina. Our Uber driver, that picked us up and took us to our hotel that night when when we landed he was supposed to be he worked in Lahaine at a restaurant he was supposed to be on duty that day and his restaurant burnt down and what they were explaining to us is that m- the majority of the places that burnt down were where a lot of the locals lived and so now these were people who worked in the hospitality industry. So a lot of the hotels and you could see this "Help Wanted" signs were everywhere. Are suffering because n- nobody has any place to live in Lahaina. So they've all been displaced in Lahaina, is 45 minutes away from the other towns in in Maui. So there's there's the the hospitality industry is really suffering because they don't have enough people. And then you know the second thing is tourism has really died. And so everywhere we went, people were so glad to see tourists because that's one of their main economies. Right. But they do want respectful tourists. They want people to understand that. That every, um you know, people Lahaina is hurting, and they're hurting in a bad way. Um, you can see the devastation everywhere you go. I mean, there's it, it's just charred. Now, this is where I'm gonna just be sensitive, but really blunt about what we saw. It felt a little bit disrespectful to take pictures because it's really bad. But I, I got to tell you, somebody who is not a fire expert, it, it was bizarre to look at because. There were, you would drive through and and there's an entire neighborhood that's decimated, like burnt to the ground, but then there would be two or three houses still standing and people living in them. Everything around it is completely burnt to the ground. One of the things that stood out to me is there's one corner where there's a shell gas station, literally two lanes over the entire neighborhood is completely burnt to a crisp. And so it's like, how did the gas station survive? And I could throw a rock across the street and everything's burnt to a crisp. And then you cross over the four lane highway directly on the other side. And everything's burnt to a crisp. It definitely was the best real estate in in Lahaina. Uh, some of the be- you know some of the things that the the people that we talked to would say to us are things like, well, most of us had our houses paid for because we've we you know we've grown up. This is this is land that our family gave to us, but we didn't have insurance because we didn't need insurance or we couldn't afford the insurance, and we don't know what we're gonna do. So yeah. there's tents, tent cities everywhere. There's signs up everywhere that say the is not for sale. And I hope that they stick to their guns and the government doesn't find a way of confiscating the land anyway. You know, I just.
0: Yeah, well, that was one of the major issues. When you look at the rich neighborhoods and like Oprah and all of those, mm-hmm. somehow those magically didn't get hit. Yeah, The corporate infrastructure didn't yeah. get hit.
1: Yeah, it in that, and you can see it, like it's very evident. It's very evident. And the, it was just bizarre. It was just bizarre to watch um The other thing that was really interesting is so the, uh, there's a lot of, in every hotel we stayed in, there's a lot of locals that are staying in the hotels, living in the hotels now uh, temporarily. And they're about to run out of places to live and they're pushing people out of Lahaina. So what's going to end up happening is the tourism is going to die in that area because there's not going to be anybody to work these places. And it, it looks like it's, it looks, this is just, you know, speculation on what I saw. It looks like, the wealthy and the elite are going for a power grab there and they don't want tourists and they don't want locals there. They want to be able to own their property and it is off the beaten path. It takes 45 minutes to get to Lahaina from the airport. Um, but it was really sad. The people there are really suffering. And there's a lot of tents up, a lot of people living on beaches, a lot of Lahaina strong, uh, flags up a lot of Lahaina flags, you know, just the Hawaiian flag was everywhere. And, but there were definitely, like some of the houses that were still standing were blue, <laughs> you know, so it was a little bit like, <laughs> okay, this is weird. And they do have it blocked off. It is, you cannot get into any of these spaces. So right. they, you know, they have fences up like they show some of it is out of respect. And I understand, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, you know, c- cover it up. It's not pretty, but yeah, there's whole sections of the that you can't get into anymore that are completely blocked off. But when you get to certain parts in the highway, you can look and you can see um, just how conveniently, you know, the best parts of Lahaina burnt down, where most of the natives and locals lived. And there's, you can definitely feel the animosity towards mainlanders there. Yeah. And you know, you have those who appreciate the tourism and the and the money that it brings and the economy that it sustains. But then you have those who, you know, the natives who are very much like, please get off our island and leave us alone. And I can somewhat sympathize with that, seeing at seeing how you know they feel that 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 some of them feel that. How I was stolen from them, and yeah. um <laughs> you know when it is paradise, I mean, listen, I'm not gonna lie. I saw I snorkeled and and it, it is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful there. I can understand why mainlanders are are drawn to it, but uh, it's something ain't right, Something just ain't right there, and the people know it too. and so people people aren't
0: stupid, and even if you can't necessarily name it, you you know when something is going on. and I think that this last year, especially has been very There's a lot of information that's been coming out and a lot of things that have been really revealed and people aren't sleeping on it. Mm -hmm. And this, Mm -hmm. it kind of goes to that. I like uh, what Walter Martin said, you know, thinking about with spiritual warfare and look, they're out to get you type of thing. Yeah. And he said, well, they may say that's paranoia. Remember something, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you, (laughs) Right. you know? I mean, and so- as we look at the last year, we look at the amount of information that has come out on so many different topics. We would never have thought that we would be having these discussions on all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Energy weapons, attacks on our own land, UFOs and UAPs. 10 years ago, five years ago even, when we look at Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife, I think that's her name, Jill. Yeah, She yeah. put out a tweet the other day of the christmas and it was i my wife sent it to me it was a comparison of jill biden's christmas video and melania trump's christmas video jill biden's is drag queens all hauling through and i think it's the white house i I don't know and the first thing that came to my mind is romans one you know the the judgment that god gives a nation over to these things that denies his existence as the creator now what's very interesting as i've talked with some of my buddies about current events that are going on, both within the military, externally, information that is coming out, is we are, in a sense, in a post-atheistic world. And Mm -hmm. and what I mean Mm -hmm. by this is, Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe post-atheistic is not, but that staunch, there is nothing else, right? And what I'm seeing is there's a lot of people searching. Yes. And we see the Joe Rogans. We see people pursuing this through DMT, and these trips, right? That's the big thing. Most people don't know there is PTSD therapy where you go through major trips, you do DMT, Ibogaine, things like that, right? This is free to us that we're in soft. They actually give it to us for free. Now, I do know um, one guy went through it. He's a Christian and he saw demons like everywhere. Another guy that I spoke with who was a Christian, very nominal at the time, he was scared of it, but he's like, "Oh, I've got to do something," mm-hmm. and so he went through it. But he was praying the whole time. Didn't have the crazy experiences, but there was some stuff that we did talk about that he did experience. I was like, "Look, man, like you're you're dipping your toe into a world. You're poking your head in a world, and they will see you. And you yeah. don't, um, you don't want to be there, man. You know." Uh, and so we did discuss some of those things with him. But a lot of the world is searching you know, especially in America, I think they're realizing, they they realize even if they don't truly understand it, the emptiness of staunch scientific atheism. And they are even internally, like there, there's more, there has to be more. And there's evidence for it. I had a discussion with a guy um, with my buddy. Let me fr- reframe this because I'm gonna actually get tell you guys what's going on with some things and stuff that I experienced. So I'm dealing, I'm working with some things uh, In regards to the uap stuff with an organization my buddy who's the director he we had a discussion with another guy um, who is a christian who's been working in this area for a couple decades and he said this new generation is wanting this to come out whereas the older generation within the government really fought against it and i and i feel and the question was posed well why now and i felt that the reason now that all this uap stuff is coming out is because Society's ready for it. We're not in this, oh, we're going to freak out. They are fully accepting that this is reality, that this is they're here to help us. You have the Stephen Greer's. You have a guy, well, Stephen Greer's the big guy mm-hmm. um, in this. And just so people are aware, um, when the podcast that I was on, uh, I was on my headphones. I was traveling a couple months ago. I was actually going to Stephen Greer's house okay, for a meeting on some things. When I was there, on um, the second night we were there in my dream and it was this was more than a dream we all know what dreams are like this this was very very detailed um this thing was standing in the doorway a doorway and i remember the doorway is completely black and it looked at me and it said you can have anything that you want and i remember in my dream saying i i reject that in jesus name i was trying to and i couldn't get it out And as I was trying to do it, this thing was getting visibly angry with me. And it just kind of started tilting its head down like and saying, careful, careful, careful. Pulled myself awake. And this was about three in the morning. Something jumped on me, covered my mouth up. And I had to physically fight to get the name of Jesus out and say, you know, you have to leave. Get out of here in Jesus' name. And I remember praying in my mind, eventually was able to get that out whatever was in the room, I could feel its presence, it left. And I could feel it leave the room, went back to sleep. And there was a woman staring at me. It was a crowd. And as people walked by, and I didn't think anything of this part, because I thought, okay, I obviously had just a, a crazy demonic experience. And I am not a, while I am a charismatic fundamentalist, you know, I do believe in continuationism. I believe in very controlled continuationism, and bound by that. <laughs> So basically, I believe that the gifts of the spirit are still here, mm-hmm. but we tend to focus again on the crazy gifts, like the tongues and the prophecy and all that stuff. I do believe those things can occur, but it is all bound by 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And it's mm-hmm. as the spirit wills, because there's a lot of gifts that the spirit gives, right? I don't focus just on those, obviously, right. you know, but I do believe that as the spirit wills and most people that claim those things don't have them. Um, so I, I'm not one of these crazy deliverance ministry guys at all. I those guys frustrate me, especially because I have actually dealt with demonic things before. Um, and so it's anyway, I won't go on that rant. But um, so in this dream, this woman was staring at me. She's in a crowd, and everybody knows in movies, whereas somebody will walk by that person and they disappear. So somebody walked in front of this woman, and then she turned into this like 15 foot thing. Um, it was feminine but different. Mm-hmm. Um almost feline, but not quite. It it was it was it's weird. And so I'm thinking, okay, I, I had this very intense experience and attack. Um and that's probably what drove this. The next night I, I was home. I had a dream same similar, but I was back at Greer's place and I was in his office and same thing, same woman staring at me. Somebody walked by and again turned to this 15 foot thing. And and I could sense like intimidation almost so i w- I was just like, "You can't touch me in Jesus' name. You don't scare me. you know i you can't I'm bought by the blood of Jesus. There's nothing you can do to me, but I remember looking over and seeing Stephen leaned up against the wall. Now, anybody that's seen bodies, people killed, uh, especially when they're leaning th- there's a very distinct look when they're sitting and leaning against a wall. He was completely black, completely black, like lifeless, just black. so I call my buddy and I said, "Hey, man, so." You know what happened to me, but then this other thing has come to my dreams twice now. While we were there, a question was posed to Stephen because, or Stephen kept saying, um, you know, talking about being protected, and then people would say, if, if what you're saying is true, if what you're discussing regarding these governments or these corporations, whatever is true, why are you not dead? Stephen continuously stated, well, if something happens to me, they're they're done, they'll they'll be taken care of instantly. Well he got a little wine in him. And my buddy felt like he could say, hey, why, why do you keep saying this? What do you mean by this? Well, he told my buddy, well, I'm surrounded. I have like 12 of these things. The things that I saw in my dreams, he said he's got, they basically surround and protect him. Now, anybody that understands, and I would recommend you go watch Stephen Greer's Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. I think I played a um, video of it or a clip of it a while ago. But he does what is called a C, he calls it, quote unquote, a CE5 protocol. It's remote viewing, it's transcendental meditation, and they invite these things down and they contact them. So he is fully bought in. He rejects, he's, he's aware of like the fallen angel view. He rejects these things. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because I feel that I am responsible to not tell you guys the depths of this stuff, because this is coming out on Tucker Carlson. This is coming out on Redacted. Um, what really drove it was this morning, I was not planning on talking about these things at all, um, but I saw the redacted uh, podcast on X talking about this with Tucker Carlson. And then Tucker Carlson just came out with an episode on this talking with David Grush. So when it comes to our pastors, and it's interesting because I've, I've had a couple talks with pastors out here. They, nobody around here wants to be that pastor. It's like, well, Tucker Carlson's on it. This This has 4.2 million views now. So this is going to come out, and you go to Redacted, and what one? Of, what's one of the pinned ones? Stephen Greer, his interview with Stephen Greer. Stephen has answers. Those answers are these things are here to help us. They're help. They're, they want to help us move to the next stage of evolution. We can. They have technologies that we can use. I'm not going to get into all the details about everything that we've gone through and all the stuff that we talked about. That that's inconsequential. What What matters is the fact that this is coming out at such a mass rate that. I I, that we, me and my buddies did not even expect. And so you're either going to get the backhand and most pastors are, unfortunately, because they're not ready to answer what this, what is going on. What's the Christian worldview? what, wh- How do we actually handle this? So people are going to go searching and they're going to find Stephen and they're going to get swept up into this. Com- basically, it's it is complete deception.
1: It's new age, yeah.
0: It, it's complete new age. And, yeah. but again, it goes back to why now? It's why, because the world's ready for it. Mm-hmm. Because people are aware there is more out there. They are at a place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, where they can accept this. And it just it's a very major source of frustration with me. We actually had a meeting set up to where we could meet with pastors. Not one dadgum pastor showed up in my town. And we had a person who is very deep within the intel community come up and take his time. And it it made me so mad because, you know... It's going to kick us mm-hmm. square in the balls. There's no other way to say it. <laughs> yeah, And it gets me mad that, you know, Walter Martin said it best. We're supposed to shepherd the flock as leaders. Am I a pastor? Technically, no. But I feel a responsibility to shepherd those God has entrusted to me locally and then over the phone, those that I disciple. Mm-hmm. Well, you feed the flock. You get them strong. But David, when the lion and the bear came, didn't just stand by and say, Oh, I'm just supposed to feed the flock. No, he got up and he killed the lion and the bear and he defended them. You know, it, it's like that. Uh, and I don't mean to get heated, but it's almost like we just want to bury our heads in the gum sand mm-hmm. to the world that is around us, to the reality of what's going on, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not, this information is coming out. Tucker Carlson, again, 4.2 million views. People are seeing this so you 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 can't run away from it anymore and it's going to continue to come out
1: yeah and i and i think that there are some great Christian resources out there. Pastor Jack Hibbs has covered this extensively. He's done yeah. several, several special st- uh, things on this. Um, and I think him and Amir Safati did one together where they talked about all this stuff. But the other thing, too, that is really fascinating, and you and I talk about him a lot on this podcast, that is Chuck Missler. He was way ahead of his time on this. Oh, my gosh, he wrote so a far. Book. He wrote a book about this. Uh, I think it's Alien Encounters. Yeah. And it's it. I think I read the whole book in a weekend because it was like, oh, my gosh. And, and it as with any Missler book, there's about um, 300% more information than you asked for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's packed full of testimonies. They've gone through and documented this. And exactly what we're seeing is what Missler said was going to happen, that these things are going to come back, uh, you know, at a time like you're talking about, Paul, where people are ripe for something. And they're going to, they're going to start diluting the world into believing that, you know, that these, that these demonic, um, that these demons are, are aliens. What's what's interesting about what you're saying is just kind of as a side note, I'm a big CS Lewis fan. I don't think any Christian, um, worth there, you know, sh- shouldn't be, I mean, we should all be, we, we owe a great yep. debt of gratitude to that man. He was just he loved God and he was brilliant. I got to go to the screw tape letters play that is put on by the same guy that, wrote the and then um plays in the reluctant the most reluctant convert have you seen that movie i haven't it's free on prime i believe it is and it's it's a it's it's about lewis's life and the guy who acts who's the actor is also the writer and so he's also the producer of the screw tape letters play and i tell you what like If you haven't read the screw tape letters go buy it and read it because what what lewis does is he takes the experiences he had as a christian and he writes them from the perspective of a demon teaching the younger demon how to taunt humans and it you know we need to be reminded that there is a world out there like you said paul that is very real very alive very much inter you know impacts and interacts with our world and if we don't have that, you know, it's what it's what the Book of Ephesians is about. If we don't have that biblical perspective, we're going to find ourselves, you know, interacting in a very dangerous way with a world that Jesus has said He has overcome, that He is greater than. But Christians need to have some awareness as to how this is manifesting in the world around us. And I think Paul, you've hit a couple of those things, like you were talking about with the White House. Uh, you know, we've got it in the transgender movement it's it's very much alive there it's very much alive with this whole alien thing you, you know i mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the world around us and see that the demonic is becoming more normal in every aspect of, of human life and and we're just seeing an outpouring of that and we know that that's what revelation 13 is there's a ton of demonic deception that goes on and if you read the book of revelation i mean it's like demons being unleashed on this planet at a whole new level. And so we're seeing just, I think, you know, we, as, as, uh, Barry, Pastor Barry Sagner says, we are living in the times of the signs. And, uh, you know, I think, Paul, as we go through some of this stuff, and I appreciate you bringing this up and reminding us of what's at stake and what's going on, you know, as we continue, as this stuff continues to heat up, we've had a little bit of a season of calm. I think things are about to, yeah, not be so calm anymore. We need to remember where the real source of this is and what battle we're really fighting.
0: And that, you know, in Second Thessalonians, it talks about the coming of the lawless one and him being able to deceive. And he says he's going to have power, signs, lying wonders. And in verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, it's, it's one of those things like we know the restrainer is removed based on second Thessalonians. God's going to send strong delusion. I don't think we as humans at, right now within a naturalistic mindset really have the capacity to understand how weird and crazy it is going to get when God sends strong delusion, when the restrainer is removed. And you know, I I, I know I went on a rant a little bit. I'm I'm not passionate about it because it's an alien thing. I'm <laughs> right. passionate about it because it's deceptive yeah. and we're not ready for it. And by and large, the church has sat on their laurels and allowed the world to just do what it does and act like, and basically allowed naturalistic humanism into the church where, hey, we just need to be a safe place. We just need to, you know, I saw this, um, I think I talked about it last week. I can't remember, but this talking about, we talked about it with jelly roll and, you know, Jesus is going to die. The church is going to die if we don't look back at. How you know how Jesus was and how he truly was uh, originally as the scriptures portray oh, yeah. him. And then he goes on to describe Jesus completely as he was not, you know, no <laughs> yeah. no call to repentance. Um, you know, Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. You know, th- those are those are ranks, those are ranks within the spiritual realm that is not the physical. Um, and we are in a spiritual warfare, and a major part of the reason. That we, by and large, are in the position that we are in is because we have not been in a warfare mindset. We've been comfortable, and I've said it before: comfortability breeds complacency, which breeds apathy, which gets people killed. So, you know, I guess my my passion on this subject is because one, what I've seen and what I've experienced myself, but then two, see, seeing the amount of coverage that this is getting on the internet, on the news. I mean. And I and I reached out to a uh, a certain major TikToker that we you and I have t- discussed, and I said, "Hey man, I just want you to know I, I saw because he he discussed this. He's like, it, this won't affect this doesn't really affect the Christian faith because I believe in uh, evolution. So if God used you know evolution on another planet, cool." And I just said, "Hey man, um, just a little bit of my background, and then just so you know, um, this this is completely demonic." And he's like, "And I and I gave him enough to say." Any Christian should say, oh, they use new age practices and occult practices to contact these things. Hmm, Maybe this is a little bit more than just an extraterrestrial intergalactic thing. Uh, maybe, may not be. It doesn't change what I do. Like no concern, you know? And again, I'm not saying that you got to go screaming from the rooftops constantly about the alien thing. But what I am saying is that like, we're going to be held accountable if we give information and we have that information and we don't warn and prepare the body of Christ and those around us, right? We look at the book of Ezekiel in Ezekiel. What does he say? If I, if I say to the wicked man, you will die in your sins and you do not warn him, I will require his blood of you. You know, this is, this is the depth. God is going to require the blood of the unsaved at the hands of the saved. If we do not warn them, if we do not tell them you know we we talk about the love of Jesus we talk about his his giving of his life for us all great all well and good his dying for our sins very true but nobody will talk about what it's going to cost them if they don't believe yeah. that is the other side of the coin and we have trickle truth our way down the last century century uh, well really well i guess it's a 20 so last 60 years you know and i greatly appreciate a lot of the evangelistic work but the fact of the matter is it it is this soft peddling the gospel up and down this nation, no call to repentance, you know, come as you are, but it's okay if you stay as you are, because, hey, we're all in progress. We're all broken. Man, I, I get, I admit that we're failed, but we take such a soft view at this point of sin and of who we truly are apart from Christ. And we forget what it cost him. Sin is not just this small little thing that we do. It costs the God of the universe, his son. You know, it it, it separates us. It's sin separates us from God. So, you know, again...
1: Sin is responsible for all the pain and suffering in the world and see that's the thing is it's so funny how people want to deny that there's a god deny his existence but the minute things are wrong in the universe they want to blame god well where was god in all of this and it's like yeah yeah. but he wasn't the one responsible for this This exactly mankind's sin that is responsible for this so it's convenient how you don't mind blaming god but you don't want to take responsibility for your part in this it's it's we're very much like that as humans
0: well and they're very contradictory because on the one hand they'll say, I don't want God in my life. I don't want him to control me. Don't tell me what to do, right? Yeah. But they don't want the consequence. Where were you, God, when this happened?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: So either way, God can't win. Mm -hmm. They've put him in a no-win situation. He's not allowed to tell me what to do. Who is he, right? Because we see this, right? Constantly in these discussions. Um But anyways,
1: if you if you look at what Richard Dawkins wrote to your point, you know, I I just want to give a little context because you said something really important. And I think it's because I listen. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I have probably a little more perspective than the average person on this. Like you do. You know, there was a big movement, the big atheist movement. And that was something that was, you know, that's Richard Dawkins was a part of that, you know, that that big thing, you know, the, the God delusion. But if you really read Richard Dawkins writings in the God delusion, it's not that they're showing that science proves there is no God because the science is very clear. There had to have been a beginning to this universe. I yes. mean, that, that is settled science. Nothing came from, something did not come from nothing. Like, let me say that again. Something did not come from nothing. So there, there's no denying that our universe, especially when you look at the fine tuning argument, when you look at, you know, the paleontological, uh, you know, information we have, we know that macro evolution is verifiably false. There is no science that shows that or, de- or backs that up. So, when, when Richard Dawkins wrote the God delusion, it's not because science proved that there's no God it's because he didn't want there to be a God. And when you actually look at his motives, he wants to be able to have sex with whoever he wants to have sex with, and do whatever he wants to do without consequence. So it was easier to pretend that there is no God and pretend that that's what the science said, but to your point, Paul the science is, is so settled on the fact that there was a creator in our universe that that something had to originate all of this, that the universe does have a beginning and that, you know, we can tell this through the first and second laws of thermodynamics, you know, because of that, because it is so settled now, it's okay, now what did create it? And this is what you're, this is now where we are, where we find ourselves to your point, which is now the next explanation is very likely going to be this alien encounter, which will lead to what we know occurs in Revelation 13, 13 you know what a lot of people miss about revelation 13 is that it's not just taking a mark to buy and sell it's t- it's a form of worship yes it is a it is a pl- it is a Pledging
0: loyalty to-
1: yes pledging loyalty and so a lot of people look at the mark of the beast and they think oh it's a microchip no no, no, no. this is not your number that you're taking it's the beasts it yeah. is it is it, sh- it is a sense of loyalty and so a lot of people when they hear these things like oh you know it is probably going to be associated with a a digital currency, and it is probably going to be associated with your way to interact. I mean, we know it is going to be associated with your way to interact with the economy, and it will have some identification of yourself associated with it most likely. But the main purpose behind it is that you are pledging allegiance to the beast and you are worshiping the beast. And so I think to your point, Paul, this is why God gave us these prophecies is to warn us and to show us that the next major wave now that we're past atheism will be the the worshiping of these things you know these demonic entities and we know this we know there's a false prophet that comes so he's often left out of the equation yeah. he's the one that causes the whole world to worship the beast in his image and and you know to your point paul if we don't start addressing these things as they come out now the world is just going to be prepped and primed and ready to bow their knee to the antichrist or um, mr big mouth as Chuck Missler puts yeah. it. <laughs> you know when he comes on stage and says worship me i am I am the reason you have all of these things. I am the one who, and, and we know from the three temptations of Jesus, you know, we know enemy, we know the enemy's playbook yep. <laughs> and, and what, what was one of the things he tempted Jesus to do? Worship him. And then he would yeah. give him this, everything.
0: Lust and of the like, eyes, yes. lust of the flesh, pride of life. He tempted them in those three areas.
1: Yep. And to your point, you know, these demons promise the world and they can, they can deliver it for the most part. I mean, look at Hollywood, look at the music industry. Why do you think these guys have everything that they have because they've pledged their allegiance to the prince of this world and he does have a degree of authority to operate and to give these things the difference is is that you know in the end you've you've cost it's cost you your soul And this is why there's such a high suicide rate amongst, you know, celebrities and drug rate and abuse, because you're not going to get peace. You're not going to get the joy. You're not going to get the fulfillment of life from these things that the enemy promises you. It's a, it's a baited hook. (laughs) You know, the bait tastes good, but there's a hook inside of it. And, and that's, you know, that's exactly the world in which we live where people look at these things and they're tempted by what the world offers and they missing that. That's not what you need. That's not what you really want because what you, what you need is freedom from sin. Like that's what you need. That's what your soul is crying out for.
0: Well, look at Hollywood, look at the music videos in the music industry and rap and oh. hip I mean, how much is demonic and satanic mm-hmm. stuff? Like pentagrams, mm-hmm. dressing is Satan, which is we've seen it with Taylor Swift, Doja Cat. I mean, there's I mean, you could just go down. There's a litany. Uh I can't even remember. I can't remember the one the one rapper who was basically giving Satan a lap dance, but I mean, these are these are mm-hmm. massive followings, millions upon millions upon millions of people, and there's a reason that they are doing this. They again, they feel comfortable enough. It is to a place now with our country where they can do these things, and it will be mm-hmm. accepted. It's not considered crazy. Again, going back to Joe Biden, you know, I, I don't consider her having drag queens throughout the White House doing as the Christmas video. Just a oh. It's getting bad out there. I think that's a demonstration. Like this is where the point where God is allowing us to get to now. This is how far we are into being prepped for judgment. Now, what you said regarding Revelation thirteen. One thing we have to remember: we are not at the end yet.
1: No, right. right. As, you, a, as you as
0: you study future, yeah. as you study Daniel two and Daniel seven, you get the full picture, right? We we know we had the Babylonians, then we had the Persians, then we had the Greeks, then we had Rome, and Rome divided into two. And we've been in this two-sided dual East-West balance of power since about the third century. However, that fourth kingdom, right? We go to a global system and says the fourth kingdom shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the others and will devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. The 10 horns are 10 kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall rise after them. He will be different from the first and shall subdue three. He will speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints will be given to his hand for time, times, and half a time. And that's that last three and a half years of that 70th seven of Daniel. Um, Then it talks about the awesome part, which is the court will be seated. They shall take away his dominion, consume and destroy it forever then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the most high. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. And it's speaking of the Lord. Um, So, you know, we we know how this ends, right? Mm -hmm. We are not at the end yet. We are definitely, I would say, moving that direction. I think anybody can sense this that keeps their eyes open on, on where the world is going. But again, we don't know how much longer we have. We don't know the the debt. Basically, it's kind of like the, we don't know how far down the rabbit hole we actually go until we get pulled out. And again, it's the well. I, I like what L. A. marzuli said. He's like, you know what? Even if I'm wrong and the rapture doesn't happen, it doesn't change what I'm doing. Yeah, it doesn't change my faith. You know, and that's and that's a a pitfall that I think that we can fall into at times. That people are like, well, not we, but some people they'll say, oh, you're gonna people everybody's going to the great falling away is going to happen because the rapture is not going to happen. It's like, well, my faith isn't in the rapture, but I I love, I think it was Todd White who said it. The rapture is not a rescue. It's a pickup for a wedding. And I absolutely (laughs) loved, I absolutely loved that statement. So, you know, you know, I, I, I know that this is kind of hot and heavy and I kind of went on a rant and I'm just, but you know, I I guess again, the reality of, of all of this situation where we are in the world, where, where our country is, where the church is, and and what we are called to in Christ, you know, and more than anything, the fact that who He is, what He did, and and that that the Lord is worthy of every single moment of our day, and for us to carry out the things He has given us to do, you know, it, it's not just because we have to, we get to, mm-hmm. but is the God of the universe not worthy of my life and 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 my obedience and driving? towards these things even when it's uncomfortable and
1: especially when it's uncomfortable especially
0: yeah. when it's uncomfortable this is this is this is not an, a comfortable topic to talk about from this standpoint because again well I think nowadays most people aren't going to say are crazy <laughs> I think the church people in the church might but yeah um but you know we have a mission you know we've talked about this from the very beginning of this podcast the invite, the operational environment is changing but the mission does not change but we've got to be able to operate, which you know, any good operator, you're a master of your craft. I was talking with my buddy Bucket. So Tony Pryor, we call we call him Bucket. But he comes from Oregon Lagerstock. The dude is <laughs> even now he's blind as a bat. And I still wouldn't mess with him. You know, <laughs> his head is is just so dead gum big. Uh, it's hilarious. So that's why we call him Bucket. Um <laughs> but he we were talking, um, we we're talking about being a professional and a specialist at our craft within special operations. And really, it's not the ability to do all this awesome, cool, high-speed stuff. It is a mastering of the basics. And a professional isn't somebody that is so proficient that you don't mess up mm-hmm. often. It, it is one who is so proficient and you are so practiced, you can't mess it up because it's just it's just second nature. It's it's. Deep down into your nervous system like you're not going to mess it up and that's the way we need to be as christians with the text of scripture with our walk with christ this this needs to be so deep within us we can't mess it up right are we going to yes obviously we're going to get you know but again if you notice again what what is the commandment in deuteronomy 17 you know this is something i'm going to talk about a little bit today that's also god was laying on my heart but in deuteronomy 17 the king was supposed to write out a copy of the law in front of the priests and read it every day. Now, they did not have a king yet, but it shows that God did intend to have a king. He had a king in mind, that they eventually would have a king. And we know that ultimately that would be the messianic king in the end with the establishment of the messianic kingdom. But he was supposed to write out a copy of the law and he was to read it every single day so that his heart did not get lifted up with pride and so that he did not turn to the right or to the left. You know, again, when we have the word constantly before us, when the Lord is constantly on our mind, when it is 24 seven, like, Hey, this is who I am. It is much harder to screw things up and fall into that sin because that conviction should be there instantaneously. The fact, you know, it was interesting. I had a, I got tempted uh to look at some stuff the other day and it was just instantly the Lord was there. And you know what he brings to my mind when I get those temptations, which is very few and far between. But it's your ministry. What I've given you, you you would you would nullify everything, you know. And I'm I'm advancing in a lot of things within my walk with the Lord. And there's certain things God's opening doors for for me. That's pretty pretty awesome. And I like that He brought that to me because again, it's like look at what is at stake. You know, this is the thing that we have to we we again going back to looking at sin as if it's just this oh thing that oh it. I, I look at porn and it, I, I'm working to get over it. It's like you know how you stop? You stop. (laughs) Oh, I just get rid of your phone, get a flip phone, pay the $200 and get a flip phone. Mm -hmm. Cause you're, you're not strong enough to have apps. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, It, it, and this is where, well, I guess I know, I'm, I know I'm kind of on a rant a little bit, but, but you know, I'm, I'm not mad, but like, we've got to start taking these things seriously and we treat everything. So, so with, with such kid gloves, right? We got to take the gloves off and really deal with ourselves. Is it fun to get rid of a smartphone? No. But if that's what you have to do, because you cannot handle having applications readily accessible that will give you access to these things, then you need to either get some kind of lock where you don't have the password to, and all you can do is get on a phone call, or you need to get a flip phone. Mm -hmm. Is it fun? No. But I will tell you, (laughs) I had a buddy, it was uh, Pastor Inked on TikTok who got off TikTok. He got a flip phone and he caught we were talking and he said, I cannot tell you how amazing my life has been since I got rid of a phone. Yeah. He said, the amount of ministry I've been able to do, not having a phone, is phenomenal. <laughs> um, but, anyways, you know, as we study the scripture, we look at all the issues that occurred due to sin, due to not following the Lord, and what is lost. You know, that that's I guess that's when we look, and I, I want everybody to take a couple minutes at some point today, think about. Opportunities you missed because of sin, and it it could be any sin or things that could have occurred down the line that you didn't even see until years later. Yeah. You know, th- this is this is this stuff is not small. It's very very serious, mm-hmm. and there are major consequences on so many levels that we don't even realize. And it's usually not till years later when we can look back with that twenty twenty hindsight to see that. And man, that's painful. Mm-hmm. That's painful to see what what could have been. You know, yes, God can redeem. And and I'm not saying to let it pull you into a a, a barrel of shame to where you're like, oh, gosh, I just but I'm just not going to do anything. You know, definitely use that as a motivator to drive yourself forward and be like, I'm not going to screw this up because you know God still has a purpose for me. He still has a mission for me. But if if God is laying things on your heart, and he should be. Every everybody that listens to this, if you're a Christian, you have a ministry. Yeah. You're you're on the field. God mm-hmm. wants to use you. But you've mm-hmm. got to put yourself into a place where he can. Yeah. But, you know, and so I'm just thankful that God brought, you know, he bring. when I get tempted, he brings those things to my mind because I don't want to lose out on the things he has for me, not just for my, me, but for those I'm supposed to affect because I want them, you know, that that's really what matters to me. Not, not Paul Bach, not the things that I'm going to get to do. What matters to me is what are you going to do? You know, yeah. you the people I interact with matter to me. I care about them. Like there, there's nothing almost that pierces my heart more than the thought of my friends, my families, and 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 other believers not hearing "Well done, good and faithful servant."
1: You know, it, it's funny, Paul, because it, I, my last podcast episode was about this. I, I openly confess about a moment I let my mouth get ahead of me and I said something <laughs> to my husband that I shouldn't have, and I, I openly talk about you know, the, the, the repentance process the Lord walked me through and, and, you know, as far as the East is from the West, but, you know, one of the things that I am guilty of is saying, but Lord, just remove the temptation from me. Just like, don't like, can can you give me a better attitude? So I don't, I'm not tempted to run my (laughs) mouth or whatever that temptation is for each of us. Right. Uh, But one of the things that the Lord reminded me is that oftentimes he allows temptation because as we practice saying no, we become stronger and more conditioned to say no. And if you look at the story of the life of Joseph, you know there was a reason why joseph had to say no to potiphar's wife over and over again That built an endurance to and a resistance to sin that he was going to need as the leader of the egyptian people when that time came and so there's there's a process it's not just about the sin and the disqualification because that's huge that's a big part of it but it's also about the training that you're missing out on because god is allowing things into your life as a as a conditioning practice and 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 we look at joseph as such a great example of this because joseph went through everything he went through at Potiphar's house and everything he went through prison and that's what prepared him to be a man who saved the lives of all of the people that he you know ministered to during the famine do you think for 10 minutes that there weren't people throwing themselves at joseph offering him favors in exchange for food at some point during that and and what god had done is he had allowed joseph years of of endurance building and training so that when the time came for him to take the post he had for him joseph was prepared for the responsibility that was given to him and i and i know all of us that go through this process the lord is only going to give you the amount of responsibility you're prepared to handle and so every opportunity that you are given to you know from a temptation perspective and that temptation can be to sin or disobey god in that here he's giving you an opportunity to share the gospel and you decide that your pride meets more to you than humbling yourself and doing that awkward thing whatever that decision is you know throughout the day and i love that chuck missler says this every day god is going to ask you in some way do you trust me and that may be resisting sin that may be taking a step of obedience that may just be saying yes whatever that looks like right but keep in mind that all of those things lead up to a bigger purpose they lead up to disciplining you training you building up your endurance for what god has next and so you know as you learn to walk You know walk by the spirit walk in the spirit like romans 8 teaches us and you and you become disciplined and have a steady diet of god's word and you know being filled and led by the holy spirit is is your mo and you spend time you know battling you know on your knees in prayer and and as you develop and mature as a christian god is going to put you through harder and harder things to build you up strengthen you so you can be given more responsibility and execute on that he's not going to set you up for failure in that and so i know a lot of people who sense that God's calling them to something. And and I think Paul, you and I probably both experienced this. I know I did. And and I'm speaking for you, but I'm assuming you did as well, where God puts big things on your heart, and you're not ready for them. But then you look back. And as he slowly begins to give you those things, you see, oh, I see the process he took me through. I had that on my heart years ago, but I was not ready. I was not ready. And now I see years later, I had my teeth kicked in a few times. I got, you know, got my my butt handed to me. I was humbled, you know, all these things. I see the process the Lord took me to through. And so it's all of that. It's everything you said, and you're also forfeiting what God is preparing you for, what he is training you for. So, you know, look at these situations. Look at the spiritual warfare in your life. Look at the temptation. Look at the challenges as you are in training. You are, you are, you are going through the process that God is using, is using in your life to prepare you for the things he is delegating to you both now and in the millennial kingdom. So there's a bigger picture there. And I think sometimes when you're in that heated battle, you know, be at that momentary temptation or, you know, when we're just in that small moment of time, lift your head up, look at the bigger picture, get the bigger perspective, plug that moment into the bigger chain of events and understand that if I resist this moment if I get through this challenging you know be it a season a moment in time a few minutes whatever that looks like for you it plugs into a bigger picture and there's more at play there and don't lose that perspective I think one thing that we get ourselves into trouble with a lot as Christians is we have such minuscule perspective God gave us thousands of years of history to give us a bigger picture and to help us have some perspective about what he's doing in us through us and what he has been doing since the beginning of time get your head out of the moment Get your head up and go okay God's going to use this. If I am faithful now in this moment, learning to say no, learning to say yes, whatever that moment is, you know, whatever it is, you're in that moment that builds discipline. And, and I'm going to quote Jocko Willink on this discipline equals freedom, you yeah. know, and, and build that endurance, build that training. And you get it as a soldier. I get it as an endurance athlete, right? Like I didn't learn to run a hundred miles because I just showed up around a hundred miles one day. I started off running one mile and then two miles and then three miles, and then four miles, and then you build that endurance, you do it, you do the hard thing. And it's not that it gets easier. You get better at doing hard things. You just handle hard better.
0: That's James in James one says, my brethren count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds, because knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but let endurance have its perfect work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You know, this was a discussion I actually had with my daughter a little while ago. About doing things we don't want to do. And, you know, one thing I drive into her, it's it's not your body that's going to give up, it's your mind. Because yes. your body's going to want to give up way before your mind does, or your mind's going to want to give up before your body does. And so I talked to her about like the Q course. And, you know, did I want to have 128 pounds on my back in the middle of the winter in North Carolina where it's just cold, you know, walking for a 24 hour infill into Robin Sage? No that I want to have 90 pounds of my back in phase two out on eval week. And it's just start, it's just 33 degrees, 34 degrees, pissing on us. And every morning the cadre would walk out. It's not going to go below 32 guys. No snow for us. Just wet. Like <laughs> just, just angry. Right. And of course, you know, I talked with her and said, you know, you have a choice. You can, you can piss and moan, which makes everybody miserable. Everybody's miserable. We all know it sucks we don't need somebody saying it sucks. Right. right. But it's, 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 it's the, hu- finding the humor in it. And, you know, that's where we all develop that really dark humor over <laughs> because you know, it it's just, you know, you always want to be that guy or you always loved that guy that could always crack the joke and just could lighten the mood. We, we were, I remember Afghanistan it was a real bad firefight and <laughs> junior, our, uh, ATAC, I think it was our ATAC. I can't remember. He was, but he, he our JTAC, um, tall grass and just like looks and goes, Hey, watch out for velociraptors. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I think, I think it was the second, uh, second Jurassic park, you know, it's like, stay out of the long grass, stay out of the long grass. <laughs> and we're just like, you know, we're like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's this horrible situation, but it's dadgum hilarious at the same time, you know? And so, um, anyways, you know, and this is where I think, you know, fasting is so vital mm-hmm. because one of the. Part of that, and it's interesting. when I was pursuing the Lord back in 2012, no, 13. This was right before Kel Scott diagnosed with cancer. I was like, God, I want to go deeper with you. Like, I just, but, but how? And like, what's a way I can? And this PDF popped up: fasting, atomic power with God. It was written back in the 40s by this guy, and it, but, but it was about the need for fasting. But eat, going without a meal. It, it's, it's such a draw for the body because we're also used to just shoving food in our faces, that we, we don't have discipline in it. And so it's, it's incredible how much that actually affects everything else. Because when you can actually train your body to fast for a meal for a day, it's amazing how much farther you can push yourself in a lot of other things. It, it really is kind of a litmus test on, on self-control and willpower. Um, now obviously if you just eat and don't pray you're just as he says you're just starving <laughs> but the christian there there is you know so weird to fast and pray um but you know it, it, all of this really a lot of what we're talking about it does come down to discipline you know paul says i, I beat my body and bring it into subjection so that after i've preached to others i myself am not disqualified mm-hmm. in 1st corinthians you know and and really it it goes to that how bad do you want it you know i, I didn't want to have when it, when we have this one event in selection called the down pilot and when you actually carry out between your rucksack, your food, your water, the down pilot and the ball and the metal bars, you, everybody's got about 160 pounds on their back. Like you're not happy, you know, but, <laughs> but the thing is you just, you just do it. Why? Cause you have to, that's what it takes, you know? And, and you know, that's kind of how you just kind of have to have to train your mind. You And and it's really just a decision. Yes. It is. a And that's all it is. It's a decision. I'm not going to quit. It's going to suck. And that's why we say em, embrace the suck you know, or, uh, as, as <laughs> when, when I remember, uh, we were just getting our bags smoked one time and I think they'd been smoking us for about 16 hours at that point, 18, because my, in Sopsy, which was pre-selection, our third, third, the dirt bags were strong dirt bags. So they were quitting. Fortunately, they quit. A lot of them quit after that. And we had a lot better time, but it started Thursday at five in the morning and didn't end till Friday at 10 a.m. I mean, and I'm talking like it was nothing but physical smoking us. And and I remember one dude was just like, ah, or people, like, there was quite a few of us that actually at that point were like, uh, you know, because it was hurting because yeah. you're on like count 300 some of some exercise and you're just, you're hitting muscle failure already. You're dying. And there, I just remember them yelling, suffer in silence. <laughs> like it was so fun. It's, you know, and it's just, You do what you have to do. But the thing was, the decision was already made like this is this is what I have to do in order to achieve my goals, you know, and that's kind of what we we need to do.
1: And and that's what Jesus said about counting the cost and putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. Yeah. You know, listen, when I had the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody a few weeks ago, I. Thankfully, God gave me three hours because he knew I needed three hours <laughs> to
0: talk.
1: But, you know, the the thing that I didn't want to sell was a cheap gospel, was that, you yeah. know, accept Jesus into your life and your life's going to be rainbows and butterflies. I wanted to t- I wanted to say this is the cost of following Jesus, but the cost of not following him is much greater. And that's the thing that most people don't understand, is that y- you're going to you're going to end with death. Either way, death is coming for you. You're not going to get around it. The, and, and pain is going to be in your life. Either you can be experiencing pain that goes to your growth and your development, or you can be experiencing pain that leads to your death and demise. And so choose your heart, I think is, you know, the way we look at it, but I can empathize with what you're talking about. I mean, that's, that's how it is when we started our ultra marathons, you know, you start yeah. the race knowing everything's going to hurt period. You're going to want <laughs> to quit. You just put your head down and finish it. Yeah. I, I tell you what we did to get through it and then we should get to our stuff. This is, this is how we got, <laughs> this is how we handled it. So especially when you're running a hundred miler, you're going to hit a point where, you, you you've come so far, you're not going to quit, but everything in you wants to quit because you're like, what, in, what is the purpose of this? Like, what am I even doing right now? So what we would play is awful options. <laughs> and so you would say, okay, would you rather be nailed in a coffin with fire eating ants or, you know, uh scorpions <laughs> so, we would just, so we're like trudging through you know our toenails are falling off you know we've got blisters in every corner <laughs> and we're like scorpions or ants I don't know man <laughs> like that's how dark your humor gets in the
0: middle of these so things awesome.
1: and when you imagine that something worse than what you're going through it makes it easier and I think you know to, to kind of take that morbid example into practical and then we can dive into our psalms and then I, th- I still think we should talk about some of the new stuff we've got up. But, but you yeah, know, definitely. the reality is when you go to that dark place, you realize that as hard as this is, there's worse. And that, you know, that's true for Christians. As much as denying your flesh is tough, as much as living differently than everybody else is tough, as much as all of these things are tough, there is a worse alternative. And choose your hard because your gut, life is going to be hard no matter what choose your heart and may the heart that you choose be the kind that glorifies God. May it be, maybe what God has for your life, um, because you're not going to get out of this life. Uns- and so choose your heart guys. <laughs>
0: yep. All right. It's, th- and is funny because it's God led me to Psalm 62 and in Psalm 62, it's about David's faith in the Lord in the midst mm-hmm. of his adversities. And, and really everything that we're talking about is adversity in one form or another, you know, but. David relied on the Lord, and he saw him as his strength. He saw him as his protector to rescue him from the forces of the enemy. And this psalm, what it does is it highlights the major difference between the firmness found in God's trust and the instability that's inherent in human schemes. So Psalm 62, it's broken down into three different stanzas. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? Will you be slain, all of you? Or you shall be slain, all of you, like leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Salah. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I will not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Salah. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy. For you rendered to each one according to his work.
1: Mm, That is an amazing psalm. Amen. Man. We serve such a good God, and you know the thing is, is that there yeah. will come a day when we are vindicated, and it will be, it will be the day that that you know Jesus receives the glory due Him, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And man, what a privilege it will be to be those who bowed and confessed of our own volition, of our own free will, and and uh, to be on the right side of His. Yeah, of, of his coming back, right? We, we, we're we going to be behind him instead of in front of exactly. him, which is where we want to be.
0: be. Terrifying.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Well, I, I felt led to read Psalm 139. I love this psalm. It's such a precious psalm. And I think that if you, as a Christian struggle to understand how much god loves you and you struggle to understand your worth and you struggle to understand because i know a lot of people who the enemy has done a good job lying to about who they are in christ and what their worth is and and just how much agape god has for his people creation psalm 139 is just a good psalm to study and memorize and you know write down write it down on some flashcards and memorize the Psalm, because this is just a powerful Psalm written to us, written by the King and prophet David. (laughs) O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you understand my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are aware of all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, O Lord. You hem in, you hem me in behind, excuse me, You hem me in behind and before, you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle by the farthest sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness is not dark to you, but the night shines like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You formed my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and I know this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is their sum! If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. O God, that you would slay the wicked away from me, you bloodthirsty men who speak of you deceitfully. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and detest those who rise against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemy. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting.
0: You know, there's an idea that is continuously coming up I'm noticing this today and that is endurance and hope Mm. you know in Rome and this is getting into some of the scripture that we have gone into and are going to also you know Romans 15 4 I think is incredibly important it says for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the endurance and comfort of the scriptures might have hope Mm -hmm. now in uh, his commentary on, on this, uh, John Whitmer, he says, that Paul states a significant principle concerning the purpose and ministry of the scriptures. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Literally, it says, for our instruction. The scriptures serve to give believers endurance. It's a steadfastness in the face of adversity. That's what the the uh, hippomonas means. An encouragement so that they might have hope. As Christians learn from the past, what's written before in the Old Testament about others who did not please themselves. They are motivated to endure and be comforted in the present, looking ahead in hope with confidence to the future. You know, and so aside from some of the things that we're going to talk about regarding failures, all of this that we we should learn from it, it's for our learning, again, so that we can endure. Because throughout the Old Testament, we see failures, but we also see those that, did, that, that were successful in what God gave them. And we saw what came of that. Like we talked about Joseph and Daniel and the stewardships that they had, the successes that they had, you know, and, and it, it's incredible to see what God does through those people. Now, what's interesting to notice is even though they are successful and even though other people are very successful, what you don't see is the same amount of pain
1: <laughs> from the
0: same thing, right? Okay. From, um, as a result of sin, because david was very successful in a lot of ways but man the, the pain that he endured and and when the strife in his family due to his sin but it, it didn't start out we you know we all we all tend to think of um Bathsheba and him and it's like it actually kind of starts a little bit before that but mm-hmm. one of the things i wanted to look at this because again not just in sin in general but god not us not carrying out the things that god has commanded us and then I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 8 because I want people to – I want us to read this, and I want us to think about our country, right? Mm. So in 8, it says, Every commandment which I commanded you today must be – you be, sorry. You must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. You you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. So again, remember, they had – complained against the Lord. They grumbled 10 times. They wouldn't go into the land. And so God says, fine, you're not going to go into the land. Your your kids are going to go into the land. But the purpose again was to humble the people and to test them, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And this is so cool your garments did not wear out nor did your feet swell these 40 years you should know in your heart that a man as a man chastens his son so the lord your god chastens you therefore you shall keep his commandments of the lord your god to walk in his ways and to fear him for the lord your god is bringing you into a good land a land of brooks of water of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills a land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees of pomegranates a land of olive oil and honey a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. So he's I mean, got everything that they need, right? But, but notice what he says. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I commanded you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your hearts and your flocks and your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which the fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land were, where there is no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth and you shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So notice what he warns them against. When everything's good, you're enriched. You have mm-hmm. everything you could want. He's, he warns him. He says, you better be careful because I'm the one that did this for you. I brought you into this land. I provided these things for you. And he warns him and says, Your heart's gonna say, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Now, is and is that not just America, you know, yeah. looking at our, our vast riches and the wealth of our nation, and we mock God with it. We we're not even rejecting, we are mocking God. But after this, this is where it gets very important. It says, Hero Israel." This is in chapter 9 of Deuteronomy. You are to cross over the Jordan today and go into dispossess greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, who you know and of whom you heard it said. Who can stand before the descendants of Anak? and That's uh, one of the tribes of the Nephilim. Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you. So you shall drive them out and to destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to you. So notice again, he told them, hey, I am going before you. I am the one doing this, right? There's this constant pointing of of the Lord to himself. And then in Deuteronomy 7, We see, when the Lord your God brings you into this land which you possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show them mercy, nor shall you make marriage with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughter to your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You will destroy their altars. You will break down their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. And he goes on to continue to state he did this not because they deserved it, not because they were great in number, but because he did, because his love is on them. So he tells them over and over, there's this repetition. I am the one doing this, but don't just like let them live among you. Don't put them in servitude, destroy them, Mm -hmm. drive them out completely of their idols, completely destroy them. And so in Numbers 33, uh, yeah, Numbers 33, it talks about this saying, when you've crossed over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, tells him to drive them out, destroy all their engraved stones, destroy their molded images. So, I mean, he's saying it over and over and over, right? Dispossess the inhabitants of the land. And it's the land that he is giving Israel to possess. But he says something interesting. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain will be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they will harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, it shall be that I will do to you as I thought to do to them. Now, Joshua restates this and he's old he is there they're in the land they've been conquering they've been successful so far but joshua in joshua 23 says i'm old i'm advanced in age you've seen all that the lord your god has done to all these nations because of you for the lord your god is he who has fought for you and again there's this constant reminder that it is the lord fighting for them they're doing it but it's the lord through them and the lord is ultimately the one giving them success Uh, Down in verse five, and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. And again, verse nine, the Lord your God has driven them out from before great and strong nations. Um, Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God, or else if indeed you go back, cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriage with them and go into them and they to you. Know for certainty that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. Now, what's interesting is when you go to the judges in Judges 2, basically the people, we know this in the judges, they've stopped. They didn't fully push through. And in Judges 1, beginning in 28, it says, and it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but did not completely drive them out. Then verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive them out, nor did Zebulun drive them out, nor did Asher drive them out, nor did Naphtali drive out. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains. So all through the rest of Judges 1, we see that they didn't, all the tribes were not driving the, tri- the the nations out, which they were told and commanded multiple times to drive them out. So beginning in Judges 2, then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Balkim and said, I led you from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I said also, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side and their gods will be a snare to you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now, obviously the question is, was this a true repentance or was this just more frustration? Now, one of the things I wanna kick over to now, because we know in Judges 17 and 21, I believe it is, and the book ends with, there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Now, when the people asked for a king in 1 Samuel, and we know they get Saul, what does the Lord say? Hey, they they have not rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me because they want a king to go before them in battle, completely ignoring the repetition that it was the Lord that was going to battle for them. Now, God did have a plan ultimately to give them a king. We know this because Deuteronomy says seventeen says there's going to be a king. But His plan was, you know, David. But he, God responded to the cries of the people. But when we look at David, so and we and we obviously see the consequences of that. But what's interesting, you know, we tend to think of David and Bathsheba as the major thing. That's the one. There was multiple things that David did that led ultimately to that. I, you know, I believe this was like anything. It's a stair-step process. You're you, you you're willing to give on some areas and then you're willing to give a bit more. So if you look at 2 Samuel 5, it says, And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem. After he had come from Hebron, also more sons and daughters were born to David. Now, David had multiple wives. And we know from Deuteronomy 17 that God commanded very specifically, you will, the king will not multiply wives. Well, after also, after this in Deuteronomy 5, basically, David goes to war with the Philistines. He's defeating them. They leave their images. But what's interesting, it says, and David and his men carried them away. Hmm. So they carried away the images. What were they supposed to do with the idols? They were supposed to destroy them. Yeah. So David is multiplying wives, he is um, not burning the images. And then when we look, In 2 Samuel 8, it came to pass David, attacked the Philistines and subdued them. He defeated Moab, forcing them to the ground. He measured them off with two lines. He measured off those to be put to death and with one line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. And and you can actually go through this uh, in chapter 8. And throughout David's career, he was not obedient to destroy the people and cast them out of the land. Like that's the thing is David, I believe that if David... Given what God was doing through him, if David would have been obedient to drive, I think God would have pushed to the to the extent possibly. Again, we don't know that for certain, but th- this is not, you know, Bathsheba was not a one-time major sin. This was a stair-step process where you see David violating the law in multiple areas.
1: And and Bathsheba wasn't his only big mess up. He also took a census he was not supposed to. And that was very costly. God gave him three options, what the consequences of that were going to be. And that was very, very costly, his decision to disobey God and take a census. And he was not supposed to be at home when Bathsheba was out bathing. He was supposed to be out at war. And so he was also in a compromised position. And so to your point, what led to a lot of David's big mistakes were small decisions to disobey God that, ultimately those little bits of compromise ultimately lead to a bigger compromise. And I think that's kind of the point that you're driving home is that, you know, we don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to commit adultery and ruin my life. (laughs) We wake up one morning and say, I'm going to look lustfully at that person. I'm going to allow my mind to go over here. I'm going to, and it's the little tiny steps that lead to that. And you and I have both been around the Christian community long enough to see many people who forfeited their ministry, not their, not their salvation, but their ministry, because they made small decisions to compromise. led to a yeah. bigger decision that ultimately disqualified them from the role or the the responsibility that they had been given.
0: Well, and and you know, I, I wanted to hit all that regarding Israel and because you can't say God didn't tell you. Right. You know, and, and this is the thing. And this is where it's got to pinch on us as Christians a little bit more. We have the Holy Spirit. Right. They did not have the Holy Spirit as, as we do today, right? The Spirit would come upon people and would indwell them at certain times, like the prophets, John the Baptist, right? He had the Holy Spirit the reason that david prayed do not take thy holy spirit from me we cannot pray that prayer we cannot make that request as christians because the spirit dwells with every believer within every believer in the old testament the spirit would come and go and he saw the spirit removed from saul that is why david prayed do not take your spirit from me you know and so there is there is an understanding that in a sense we are even more accountable because we have the whole counsel of god we have the spirit there to as the paraclete to come alongside of us you know i mean this is so and it's again it's not just on the compromises of sin but it's also not doing you know the sins of omission not doing the things that we know we are to do because it is viewed in just the same they were told to go in the land they didn't do it they grumbled they were told hey wipe out all the people cast them out of the land because these are the consequences and what's interesting is you do a study of the areas where they did not drive them out and those are the areas within israel today that they have problems so the decisions of the nation sent millennia ago mm-hmm. affected today you know we see again with with abraham and isaac you know this uh, uh, the descendants of abraham's concubines those are the people groups that israel has problems with yeah you know the whole middle eastern conflict is due to abraham not just having the one son yes i know that may sound interesting or, or kind of crazy yeah I but understand. it's reality
1: Yeah, no, and and it it goes just to to the point, you know, we said before, God says, do you trust me? And when God is specifically asking us that question, it's because he understands the full ramifications of the decisions we make, we don't. He sees the bigger picture, we don't. And that's when, when God says, do you trust me? When, when we say no, <laughs> we don't understand the implications of what we're rejecting because he saw that those small little decisions that were seemingly innocent at the time. Hey, you know, Abraham, Sarah, I'm, I'm playing Sarah right now. Hey, Abraham, since I can't have a kid, I got Hagar over here. You know what? What could possibly go wrong? I mean, 4,000 years later,
0: <laughs> ah! yeah
1: <laughs> like you know that was my terrible uh sound effects for war but
0: <laughs> well you know and, and one of the things is we look at judges too what is what does the angel say i'm not going to i'm not going to drive them out now you yeah. know and then and that's one of that's another terrifying thing Is like when god when god basically says oh okay you want to go this way you don't want to do this now you can't yeah you know, that's that's a that's a terrifying thing in my mind so
1: well you know i think this has been a good message i um do we have time to hit a few few of the news stories before we? Yeah, you know, I, I just to summarize. You know, this has been. I think, Paul, I love, I love. You know, what you were driving home on this, which is don't compromise ever, and it's, especially when it's hard, because that's when God's building character and strength in you, and that's you know, again, that's when we're demonstrating love. I'm going through the way of agape. Still, it's a long book. <laughs> it's an it's. They're a very wordy. Yes, it's a Missler for sure, but you know, again, that the point of it is is that agape is a sacrificial love, and it's going to cost you something. Whereas most human love, very rarely, you know, the the way that the, the Misslers distinguish agape from human love, you know, very rarely does human love cost us anything. In fact, we often it's a reaction to something that we get out of it instead of the opposite, which is agape, and. You know, the question God is asking you in those moments when compromise is on the table is do you love me enough to say no to the compromise? Do you trust me? Do you love me enough to trust? And we're not gonna get it right. That's the whole podcast episode I did. You know, there are gonna be times you get it wrong. Don't allow the enemy to keep you in a place of shame when you get it wrong, but also don't nonchalantly write off your sin. You know, get get before God and say, you know what? It may be in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal, but I did in this moment quench you I did grieve you to your point about the Holy Spirit. I did take the place that belongs to you and I usurped it for a moment and chose to, you know, enforce my will over following your will. Not my will, but your will be done, right? And uh, get serious about dealing with obedience and trust to the Lord because it has major ramifications that we are not able to see, but God does. And He loves us enough to say, kids, I really, please, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: so what, what do you want to hit first. Uh, you know, again, I'm going to put a link to Tucker Carlson on X talking with David Grush. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I would recommend you guys go watch Stephen Greer's close encounters of the fifth time kind on YouTube. If you can get your pastors to watch it, or at least the clip where he's talking about the new age stuff. So that way they understand. And you can say, Hey, redacted talks to this guy, Joe Rogan talks to this guy. Um, but Tucker Carlson, this is a good interview. Um, Clayton Morris podcast on Redacted, and that's where Tucker talks about how he's, this is like one of the subjects he's been scared to talk about. Um, But on on the Alex Jones front, he had also had an interview with Alex Jones, and Alex Jones was really hammering home all of the stuff leading up to Agenda 2030, which is Mm -hmm. you will own nothing, you will be happy, reduction of, basically, it's an entire depopulation scheme. Now, yes, Alex Jones is a bit out there. However, he called the Twin Towers getting hit months before september 11th this man as 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 he's very extreme in the in like he's very charismatic yeah he's he's definitely he's incredibly charismatic right um however he is called all major events including different wars to occur different nations invading nations well before they happen because he's watching the data and people mock him and laugh at him but there comes a point where you have to say hey he's reading the data and he's seeing it and he's calling it. So that when you got like, a track record like that,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things I thought Tucker did good on this. So if you get a chance to watch it, you can always watch, by the way, you can watch Tucker on X in 2.0 speed. So you can get through his interviews pretty quickly. Yeah. But I thought what Tucker did a good job of with Alex Jones is just kind of starting like, dude, you're the guy that everybody's supposed you like, you're the person we're all supposed to be super skeptical of, right? Right. Like, and so Tucker did that. He started off like, you know, when I first heard you, I thought you were crazy. And he certainly has said some crazy things. So let's just be fair and I think Tucker yeah. calls him out on some of that in the interview as well. Like, yes. you know, you you have had you have had, you know, some um, inflamed language around some of the things you've said. But what Tucker does a good job of doing is saying to your the point you just made, Paul, but you have you predicted 9/11. You predicted um COVID, you predicted all these other things. How did you know these things? And and Alex lays it out there. And I think this dovetails so nicely into everything we've talked about today. Alex said they've told us what they were gonna do. Yeah. He said they told us in the fifties what they were gonna do in the 70s. They told us in the 70s what they're gonna do in the nineties, they told us in the nineties what they were gonna do to us. He said they've all this has been out there. I've just been the one that's been able to who, who, that's been willing to read it. And say, this is what they're going to do. And so what Alex is saying is, look, these people have consistently executed on what they said they're going to execute. This is what's coming next, whether you want to hear it or not. Agenda 2030 is what's coming next. And the pieces have been set. The players are there. We're, we're, we're set up for all of this. So be prepared and. I thought that it was very good interview. Um, and I think that Tucker did a good job balancing out some of that charisma. Like you said, that Alex Jones has a tendency (laughs) to have, but I think, you know, it was good to be reminded that 2030 agenda, 2030, hasn't gone anywhere. They're still implementing it. They're still moving forward with it, but there's a lot of hope in the end of the interview, which is, you know, as as long as there's people like you and me, Paul and and everybody who listens to this and people who watch Tucker, as long as those of us are pushing against this. We're seeing that conservative values are winning across the world. I mean, Javier Miele, and you know, when you look at the polls, Trump is way up over, you know, Biden. Um, you know, so so we are seeing that people are waking up, and they're not just they're not just eating this propaganda in the same quantity. I mean, to certain people, there's still people on certain demographics that are going to eat this up like it's uh, you know Cheerios on a Sunday morning. But um, you know, my point being that 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 this great awakening is occurring and people are starting to see this. I thought it was worth listening to. If, yeah. especially if you're, you should be somewhat skeptical of Alex Jones. I mean, listen, he has said some things, but he's yes. been right a lot more than he's been wrong. And that's the reason why we should pay attention. And I'll say this and then and then we can move on. The one thing I will say though, is that the enemy typically tells us what he's gonna do before he does it. Yes, and There's nothing new under the sun. And so all the stuff we're talking about with the aliens and everything else we've talked about, it's all been laid out for us. there's nothing like there's there nothing should surprise us and that's the thing is like none of these things that have come to pass have been disclosed hidden you know God has been so faithful to us as Christians to give us his word and to give us the you know plan like like you talked about with Revelation 13 and I'm glad you um, you know made the distinction that I wasn't saying that we're there now but you can see the road being paved for Revelation 13 you can see the pieces you can see the chessboard being set for Revelation 13 so none of this should surprise us cuz God has given us the beginning from the end he he's told us you know, from the moment he spoke everything into existence to the moment that he creates a new heaven and a new earth we see that entire spectrum laid out for us but um it we shouldn't be surprised when they're telling us what they're going to do because they've been telling us what they're going to do from the beginning
0: yes yes There, are the <laughs> one i want to hop on real quick is that turkish lawmaker that i'm oh, sure you saw was, dude so that was a hair warm
1: moment was it not
0: crazy so this guy um he's a uh, turkish law ma- member uh he said Israel will suffer the wrath of Allah. And then to his to his people, he said, I salute you all. And in an instant, he's down with a heart attack and dead. It was, was it, if you actually watch it, it's insane.
1: That was a Herod it, worm moment. I was watching, I was like, that's, do you remember that story from the book of Acts when Herod, you know, yep. took the glory from God and then like, he literally died and worms ate him right there on the spot. Like yep. that was a Herod worm moment. I was like, Ooh, it's like that other comedian. Did you ever see that comedian? She was,
0: she was she mocking was, God.
1: Yeah. Was, she was yep. like, Jesus loves me more than the rest of you. And she passed out right there, like not fa- fell out on the stage. I was like, yeah, every once in a while we see those little little moments of really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I don't want to be on the end of that stick. Nope.
1: Nope. Nope. We, we we don't often see immediate, you know, God's God judgment immediately, but sometimes we do. And that was one of those, I was watching that. I was like, that was, Herod, that was a hairworm moment right there. But Logan like, okay,
0: Paul, um, on his, I don't, I don't really follow him cause I can't stand him, but I do know that he has a, he had a podcast member that was Christian. He was mocking him and I believe the guy ended up leaving, but he actually said that after he did that mocking, the next weeks were horrible. Mm-hmm. He said just all this stuff started going haywire. He was getting sick and just stuff flights. And it was, and he said it was crazy. It's like, man. God's trying to get your attention, dude. Like maybe you need to listen. Yeah.
1: Yep. We, nobody will stand at the white throne judgment and say you're being unfair. No, there will be God. God's love is too powerful human without every possible attempt to choose life over death. His love is just too great for us. It's just our, our love of sin is greater sometimes. So, um. okay. So just, you know, do you want to hit any of these other stories? It's just a couple things that I thought were worth kind of keeping an eye on. Yeah, go for it. So Hamas members arrested in Germany, Denmark, Netherlands over suspected plot to attack Jewish communities in Europe. Uh, this is from Breitbart News. A plot to unearth a buried Hamas weapons cache in Germany and launch terror attacks against European Jewish community has ended in seven arrests across the continent, Mossad says. So for those of you that don't know what Mossad is, Mossad is the CIA of Israel. Is that the way you describe them?
0: Pretty much. They're very. Yeah. yeah, they're they're very high speed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you want a good context for Masad, Amir Safati has a fiction series where he takes real real things that Mossad's done changes the names and locations and then writes books about it so you can you so the main character is a Mossad agent so you get this like it's like spy it's really cool it's great so he's weaving the gospel in these stories but he's also giving you the perspective of what it is like to be a Mossad agent and it helps us understand he's he's trying to educate westerners on what european politics or um, middle eastern politics are actually like uh, but anyway seven people have been arrested security services including Mossad stated on Thursday afternoon with three in Germany, three in Denmark and one in the Netherlands taken into custody. So in other words, they're not, Hamas is not stopping in, in, um, Palestine, you know, they're, they're moving. And we know this is another thing that Alex Jones talked about. We know that they're all in the United States just waiting for Iran to go.
0: Yep. And if people aren't tracking, there was a, uh, this was in the news that, um, there was a, uh, an illegal bio chem lab with a bunch of military age male Chinese that was discovered, um, mm-hmm we see a lot of syrians we see a lot of africans we see a lot of chinese military age males that are just blasting across our border it's mm-hmm. pretty terrifying um from that standpoint because we're not talking hundreds we're not talking thousands we're talking hundreds of thousands um and and when you actually look at the millions of people in out in la uh, this was a story here um in la i believe it was la county i have to look it was it was cali imagine that but they just brought on their first illegal alien onto the police force yeah so we (laughs) our taxes are paying for the illegals to hold us accountable to the law
1: yeah yes
0: that's insanity
1: alex talks about why they're doing that and what their reason is in that interview and he's probably right about it to be honest with you so it's again it's worth listening to the alex jones tiger carlson
0: all right guys we greatly appreciate you joining us today it's been a bit intense a <laughs> couple the soap boxes you know the world what? It's, is intense though things
1: are gonna get more intense and, and you know yeah if you want baby food go go to your go somewhere else <laughs>
0: exactly exactly all right guys uh really really appreciate you sticking around with us today I hope it encouraged you I hope it just again just just drives you to get serious about your faith don't be afraid to have a conversation with your leadership uh, about this stuff like it's it, we're gonna have to you know at some point <laughs> it', it The discussion is going to be had whether they like it or not at some point, but look, you all have a mission and I just hope and pray that you're willing to accept it and then carry it out and bring glory and honor to our King. If you guys have questions, if you have prayer requests, uh, please reach out to me, paul at thewarriorsrising.com. Again, I'm always loving the emails. I'm enjoying the discipleship I'm getting to do with some of you guys. So uh, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you could leave a review, that would be great. Uh, Anyways, go out. Preach the gospel, disciple the nations, guys. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. This is Paul with Words Rising, out.